Good afternoon. Hello, and welcome to the Pittsburgh Pirates Rant Podcast. Whew. First of all, I got to touch on this. I am out on the back deck. It's about 70 degrees out here. The dogs are actually under the, um, the other lounge chair in the shade uh, just because the, um, the wood is hot. That's how warm it is today. It feels like a day you might get in late May, <clears throat> early June, where there's a little bit of coolness in the air still, um, but it's pre- the sun is strong. So I got my visor going. You know, I got these um, lounge chairs with the visor. And uh, I'm just chilling out, man. Uh, long night of work, but it wasn't an exhausting night of work last night. It wasn't too busy. I could kind of slow down towards the end, and it was what it was, you know. Not saying that I wanted to be there at 2.30 in the morning. I was ready to go home. But, um, you know, it wasn't too bad. And, um, yeah, I'm getting ready to, to book my hotel for um, IUP. I wanted to get a Airbnb, which I normally do. Um, but the Airbnb where I bring my one dog, the, not, the one that's not noisy, um, was booked for the days I'm going to be out there just after Easter. So uh, I think I'm going to be staying in Blairsville at the Days Inn uh, because the Days Inn in Indiana is just a real dump. It, nothing ever works. I, I don't like that place, you know. Blairsville is about 15-minute drive um, from Indiana. I know they allow dogs, and they have private entrance. So I probably won't even announce the dog. I'll probably just bring the dog in through the side door because I know they have um, dogs that they allow there. I don't feel like paying the extra money for the dog. This dog doesn't make any noise. You know, this dog's not going to pee on the floor. So Um, whatever. You guys could probably make fun of me on Twitter about being cheap and, you know, buying pirate stuff that's not licensed merchandise and, you know, whatever. I mean, people don't like me. They're going to like pick on certain things, you know, like I work at a grocery store overnight. It's my retirement job, you know, and you know what? Maybe you shouldn't make fun of what people do anyway. You know, not everybody is privileged enough to go to college. And well, I mean, I busted my ass to work my way up into the corporate world. You know, Um, I think you can make your way. You know, everybody has the ability to make their way somewhere. But maybe they don't want all that stress, you know. Maybe they just want to be one of the guys. So I really don't think you should necessarily make fun of what people do for a living, you know. Um, As long as they're out there making a living, you know, and not just um, sleeping in their parents' basement for their entire life. You know, as long as they launch a little bit, I don't think you you should poke fun at people for stuff like that, you know. But, I mean, I... It's whatever, you know. I made fun of Gary and um, the uh, For the City guy, Jim Stam, um, because they're chunky. (laughs) And they just look like it, you know, when they do their podcast um, on video. But people didn't like that. And I took it down. And it it was insensitive. You You can't really joke about, you know, stuff like that these days. So... You can't really joke about somebody's work either if you're not going to be able to joke about, you know, someone has a few extra pounds. Because I'm 54 years old. We always used to pick on people, you know, like that, for things like that. But now um, you just really can't, you know, bust on people um, without possibly getting called on it, you know, for being insensitive. Um, So, I mean, that it's such a nice day. And I was looking forward to this last night. I was looking forward to being able to just sit out on my deck, not have to work tonight. I do have a dentist appointment, and I got to jump in the shower at some point. But um, for the most part, 
this is a really, really nice day, you know, especially when you're working a lot of late nights and sometimes the truck is tiring, but it's still better than my corporate work, which I burned out of, you know, like I still have the same friends doing the same thing. I was pretty much the only one that went out on my own and the only one that's not still working at the same corporate jobs. Now, granted, those guys are making money. They're all making six figures. You know, they're not working that hard. And I could have done that life, but I wouldn't have met my wife, you know, up here in a rural area. And I would have to be working, I'd have to be living in an area where there's a lot of traffic. You know, think about that. I would have to be living in one of these um, high traffic suburbs. Um, I I would probably try to work in the city because I like to walk to work. But if I'm working in one of these high traffic suburbs, um, the houses cost more, the taxes are more. Are you really benefiting? And we went, my kids went to a great school up here in Northeastern Pennsylvania, um, and they're both going to college. Um, so um, I don't miss that um, really, really busy suburban life either. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, <clears throat> I might be making like $120,000 a year, but would I be happier? And uh, absolutely not, you know. I've really taken to this rural life where I've got this big backyard. Most people I know up here in this area, they own like four or five acres, you know, and they have big backyards. I don't need that, although it would be nice. Imagine you have your own trail. You get to walk and like work on it and stuff like that. Yeah, it would be nice. But you know what? I also live in a neighborhood um, and that is better for me. You know, I like living in the neighborhood, getting to know the neighbors. Um, kids come trick-or-treating. Uh, I'm not that, like, um, backwoods, um, like a, um, I'm trying to think of what they would say, like a mountain man or whatever. I like it. Um, but it's better than being in the middle of a busy suburb, like maybe right, maybe right by, like, North Hills Mall. Or you know what's really busy? Um, if you go out Route 79 towards Slippery Rock, Um, there's an area called Cranberry that's gotten really busy with traffic around four or five o'clock. That's where I stayed last year to watch the games or two years ago to watch the games. Last year I stayed in, uh, not too far from the strip district. Two years ago, I stayed in Cranberry. Both were nice, you know, and this year when we go to Pittsburgh, I'm not sure where we're staying, but it's probably somewhere in the city. We like being in the city and just being able to walk the dogs. You know, so that, that's a big preview for today's episode. I do a lot of things to talk about. Great win yesterday. It's always nice to steal a win on the road um, in a place that's tough to win, like, um, like Boston, like Fenway Park. And the biggest thing about the win in Fenway Park is that your bullpen held down the opposition. I mean, it's funny that people are, um, the super fans are already jumping on um, Captain Underpants' bandwagon saying he's good. Um, but all, all I, all I got to say is that he's got a negative career war. He had a whip of like 1.45 last year. So give it time. You know, I mean, people go from one game to the next. And I'm guilty of that myself sometimes. But I try not to be because over the course of 162, 162 games, you just got to let things play out. Guys will have good games. Guys will have bad games, especially relief pitchers. And you just got to play it out and see if there was more good than bad. <clears throat> and when it comes to starters, you got to look at the totality of all the starts. Like Oviedo did really well from the second inning to the fourth inning. 
But if you look at his entire start, I think he threw like 90-some pitches, um, didn't get through the fifth inning. Um, his ERA is somewhere around 9 or 10. Um, it wasn't a great start for Oviedo. It was about the same as Vinny, as our guy Vinny, about the exact same kind of start, right? So, and that's what you normally would get from your number four and five pitcher on a bad team. But the way they have lined this up, um, Roenzi Contreras is the number five pitcher. And to be honest with you, that's not unusual at all. Most teams will put their youngest pitcher, if it's a rookie or a second-year pitcher, usually if, if it's a rookie, and Roanzi's still considered a rookie, as your number five pitcher. It's just the way you do it. Um, you know, you don't put too much pressure on a kid. Now, Roanzi Contreras, I'm not sure that this guy feels pressure. You know, this guy to me is like superhuman <laughs> when I see him pitch. Um, he doesn't really see, um, he doesn't really feel a lot of pressure. Um, what else happened yesterday? Uh, Reynolds popped a couple bombs. Um, Jack Suwinski had one hit. And I had to block, um, I had to block Mackey, Jason Mackey. He's annoying me anyway, for the most part. Most of what he says is fluff. You know, he's rarely um, truly critical of the players. But he was, he said, boy, man, Swinski really had a day. He's batting 143, you know, in early in the season. He had enough, a nice couple plays in the outfield, but he was playing in the corner, I believe. Um, I didn't get to watch the game. I was at work, but somebody told me that, um, that Reynolds was playing center field when he got his error. So he was playing in the corner um, a day. You know, <laughs> that's not what you say have a day. Have a day is when you have three or four hits, two doubles and a home run, something like that. Not one hit and you boost your average to 143. You know, that's not having a day. And then when I saw his comment, you know, he's like, oh, I'm not worried about Jack at all. I talked to him a lot off the record and he thinks he's going to have a good year this year. OK, so you're buddies with Jack Sawinski. That's why you like him. Um and that's not what you're supposed to be as a um, reporter, by the way. Um, and that's the same way that um, a lot of times uh, Stumpy is. You know, he's friends with these guys. He's, you know, they're both young. He's friends with these guys. And he's not critical, you know. I'm going to be critical of everybody. Even, you know, you know, Mike Burrow's dad and I are, um, you know, we keep in touch because um, we have kids the same age. And we watched a game together last year. Um, but if I have to be critical of Mike Burroughs, I will, you know, and I think Mike would want me to be, you know, so, um, I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, rip into him personally, you know, but if he has a, a rough outing, I'm going to call him on it. You know, he hung a couple pitches or whatnot, but it's just the fluff media is just very difficult for me to take. The only one I haven't blocked is Stumpy. Um, and I'll just get my updates from Stumpy, you know? I don't really like Justice either. He's okay. I mean, I mean, they're all nice people, you know. Justice does his videos. I don't usually watch the videos. I don't read much paper anymore. It used to be the papers were so fun to read because <clears throat> it wasn't all fluff pieces. You would have inside stories about people getting in fights in the locker room or um, the, the manager losing the team, you know, and... People um, on the team saying off the record that we don't like this manager anymore and stuff like that, you know, things that you would actually want to read, you know, or really busting on um, someone who deserves it, 
playing wise, like Jack Sawinski, and really like, you know, talking about his swing and, you know, how he looks uncomfortable out there. Kind of how Rodolfo Castro looks uncomfortable out in the field right now, and he's not hitting either. Um, those sort of things, you know, like you want to, anybody can report the good stuff, but you want to be able to dig a little deeper, you know, and it just makes you a more interesting reporter. And the only ESPN has those shows, you know, where they argue and stuff like that. Those guys are critical of players, but the only newspapers you really get that are critical of players anymore are like the New York Post, the Philadelphia Daily News, to some extent, although they're pretty fluffy themselves now. Um, the Chicago um, Sun Times, and the um, back when I lived out in Colorado, they were pretty tough at the um, the Rocky Mountain News. And uh, other than that, you know, there's an awful lot of fluff out there in writing. And I challenge the writers who are listening to um, balance out what you're saying. You know, be just as if they if the team loses, you know, be critical of them. You know, why did they lose? What happened? You know, and don't don't pull any punches. That's all I got to say. So, yeah, Mackey's done in my book. I've had enough of him. Um, and that's one thing that happened yesterday. Um, but, yeah, the biggest thing about winning in Fenway Park is if, you're, if you have a one-run lead through seven, you don't score any more runs, and your bullpen is able to hold that lead. You had underpants in the seventh. You had um, Holderman in the eighth, hold my beer. And then you had um, Bednar in the ninth, uh, who was always really good. Hold My Beer was the only one that was really shaky in a full inning. Um, Underpants came out and gave up a hit, and uh, that was the run that made it 7-6. But then he got out of it and pitched a fairly clean um, seventh inning. Um, Holderman really could have um, gotten in trouble. Uh, A couple of the hitters missed um, hittable pitches. Um, from what I heard and saw when I went back and looked at it. So, you know, hold my beer was a little shaky. But other than that, I mean, you get, it doesn't matter if you were shaky, by the way, if you get the job done. They got the job done in Fenway Park. So even if that's the only win out of this series, you stole a win in Fenway Park. But I would expect them to have a real good chance to win another game this series because you have arguably your two best pitchers. Um, you have um, Rowanzi Contreras going today, going tonight, and then you have um, you have uh, the other guy go the the ace. You know, I'm, I'm like this in the morning. You know, I can't remember any names, but you got the ace going tomorrow afternoon, so you have a pretty good shot to win. Mitch Keller is who I was trying to think of. So that's what what happened in the pros yesterday. As far as the minor leagues. Um, I'll touch a little bit on AAA Indianapolis. If you want to call it an Indianapolis preview, you can. But I'm only going to touch on a few guys. Um, on the hitting end, you got Mike Burrows and you have Quinn Priester. Uh, that's the pitching end. And then on the hitting end, you have... Um, God, I can't believe I can't... Let me just start with the pitching first. <laughs> I mean, my my uh, mind is still cl- cloudy and foggy. And that's why I'm just still drinking my first glass of tea here. Um, Quinn... Quinn Priester and Mike Burrows. Quinn Priester was a higher draft pick. Um, Burrows has always performed a little bit better. Um, so I'll start with Burrows. Um, he is about six foot two. He's from the East Coast. I believe he's from either Connecticut or Rhode Island, but I think it's Connecticut um, or Massachusetts, perhaps. Um, but he's one of those tough 
East Coast guys like Anthony Solomedo. Man, he's changed a lot. Just, just since eight months ago, Mike Burroughs has changed so much. Uh, when I saw him dominate, you know, nine months ago, or eight months, probably nine months ago, um, and I watched the game with his dad, um, he had two super-duper dominant pitches. He had the um, curveball, and he had the fastball. And his fastball had some good movement on it. You know, he's a spin guy. And his, he would throw his fastball 95-96 those days, and that was just his game. Now, part of what happened is um, he had a shoulder injury with shoulder inflammation last year. And um, he was already developing a changeup, by the way, at that time. He, had, he, he threw some changeups in those games. Um, but when he came into uh, work early, you know, a month early into spring training, um, he really worked hard on... Uh, how is he going to stay healthy this year? And how is he going to throw more than 100 innings? You know, so he took a little um, velocity off of his fastball. By the way, Roy Holiday um, is going to the Hall of Fame, and he never threw more than 93 miles an hour. He always sat 92, 93. Actually, I saw him touch 94 at times, but that was just what he wanted to rear back. So you don't have to, be, you don't have to throw more than 93 to be a good pitcher or to be a great pitcher or to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, even as a right-hander. But yeah, Mike Burroughs is completely different now. He throws his changeup more. Uh, by the way, the changeup isn't supposed to be necessarily a swing and miss pitch. Um, changeup, um, the reason it was developed is um, if a guy is swinging fastball and you throw him a changeup, he's going to just miss it. So he's either going to pull it foul or hopefully he's going to pop it up. You know, and that's what the changeup gets is fly ball outs. Uh, and that's what the changeup was originally de designed for, you know. It's designed to make you, um, to have you pitch to contact and not throw as many pitches. So when, you, um, when you're talking about a changeup, um, don't concentrate so much on the swing and miss. You know, just concentrate on is the guy getting outs. And then um, late in spring training, uh, Mike Burroughs developed a um, slider. And he throws it now and then. I think the slider is just going to be like when he really needs it out. Maybe it's a 3-2 pitch and he wants to throw the slider. And even if it's going to fall out of the strike zone, he feels like um, it's a pressure situation. And he feels like he can get the, um, the hitter to swing at it, you know. The hitter's maybe a little jumpy and he can get the hitter to swing at it. That's his slider. So now Mike Burroughs is a completely different pitcher. He's got the four-pitch four mix, and he's trying to pitch deeper into games. Now, his first game, I want to say he threw 67 pitches and got through five innings, got a little tired at the end. Keep in mind that he's not stretched out yet, you know, so give it time. I mean, this is really early in the season. Uh, but he still only gave up one run, you know, that one home run. And the Indianapolis Indians got completely blasted those first three games completely blasted. So Burroughs is the only pitcher that was able to hold these guys down for multiple innings. Um, the other pitchers just did horrible. That guy Smith or whatever, Caleb Smith, just he's horrendous, you know. Um, so that's why I, there's only really two pitchers that I'm interested in in Indianapolis. The other one is Quinn Priester. So Mike Burroughs is listed as 6'2". Quinn Priester is listed as 6'3". They both have about the same build. 
Um, Priester is not a California guy, which some people think he is. Um, Priester was born um, in the same state as um, Jack Sawinski, um, Illinois. And he went to um, high school in Cary, um, Illinois. So um, Quinn Priester also throws four pitches. And here's how it went for him. He, he was always a guy that threw multiple pitches. Um, but when he got hurt last year, he spent like three months at the facility in Florida. And they really worked hard with him on um, – he was the kind of guy that would have like a 13-strikeout outing. And then he would get lit up the next time out. And they wanted to completely change Priester, you know. Um, don't try to strike everybody out and then wear yourself out, you know. Try to be more consistent because that's been his problem is consistency. So um, he has been working on just developing all his pitches and pitching more to contact. And that, that's really what both of these guys are doing, um, Burroughs and Priester. They're learning how to pitch to more contact. And that's what they should be doing, you know. But the funny thing is... Um, Pirates fans hate to hear that because there's this story how um, the old pitching coach tried to get um, Garrett Cole to pitch to more contact, you know, and then he went to Houston and won a World Series. So <clears throat> some people in Pittsburgh still don't get that pitching to contact is the best way to pitch as a starting pitcher just because of all that rigmarole. And, you know, they're all in the same fraternity and I'm not in that fraternity, you know. So I just tend to see things differently sometimes, you know. I don't hate um, Kevin Newman, you know. There's just not guys that I don't blame all of last year on Yoshi and Van Meter, you know. It, those guys can do their thing. The fans, you know, the super fans, you know, they pretty much just like to go on the same thing, you know, that whatever those guys are talking about. I'm going to do my own thing and you can either like me or not, you know. And most people don't like me, but a lot of people listen and I appreciate that. Um, let's see. So here's my thing with Quinn Priester. Um, he got lit up in the Arizona Fall League yet last year, and that was not good. You know, so for me, and he didn't pitch much in the spring training. So for me, he's got to prove himself here, just as Mike Burroughs has to prove himself, um, and have a really good year at Indy and show that you're ready to come up. You know, Burroughs is likely to come up in July. Priester's got a full year of Indy. And maybe he'll come up for a cup of coffee in September. Um, but Priester, his curveball is right there with Mike's. You know, not as much spin maybe. Um, but it's his best pitch. You know, as it was Burrow's best pitch for a while. Now arguably, um, you know, all of Burrow's pitches are really plus. So it's hard to say what his best pitch is. Um, Priester throws a changeup. But he doesn't have a feel for it like Burrow's does. Um, Priester throws a couple of different fastballs, um, a two-seamer and a four-seamer. And he generally um, uh, will throw around 93, exactly the same as Burroughs. Um, he's also trying not to, you know, he's trying to stay healthy as well, you know. So th these guys are very similar, you know. They're not California guys. Um, they're the same height, same build. Now they throw the same amount of pitches. Um, Quinn Priester also has what you might call a sinker. Um, people call it a sinker and not a slider. Um, I think it's Louisiana Ted. Um, he likes to call uh, Priester's pitch a sinker and not a slider. So I'll call it a sinker just as a shout out to, um, to that guy who does not like me. You know, Cody doesn't like me anymore either, Cody Patanko. And, you know, Anthony, 
we have a love-hate relationship. Um, but generally, I don't think he likes me that much. <laughs> so, you know, that's okay. I like the two and a half gringos, you know. I give them reasons not to like me. You got to realize this. Um, so, man, I guess that's the way I would look at it, you know. Both of these guys have the ability to be top-notch pitchers. Um, Priester was a higher draft pick, you know, so he has the pedigree. Whereas um, Mike Burroughs was just a kid that came out of um, Connecticut or Massachusetts in the 11th round years ago and has just grittily fought his way and just pitched a little better than Priester on every level, you know. He outpitched Priester in Greensboro. He outpitched Priester in... um, in uh, Altoona, and, you know, we'll see how they do this year. You know, these guys like to compete with each other. Same thing with Carmen. You know, Carmen and Mike were roommates, um, but Carmen is now a relief pitcher, um, most likely, and he's good at it, you know. I think he's going to be good at it. He's going to be a plus for this team, you know. If you could have Carmen pitch the eighth inning and maybe actually sign Holderman to more than one year and have him pitch the seventh and then maybe have um, Luis Ortiz pitch the sixth or the fifth and the sixth if you you know if you have a bad outing that's not bad I don't think you know we'll see how they do in the bigs but I just think those guys are they have good um, makeup you know we'll have to see if Quinn Priester um, can have that killer instinct makeup in Indianapolis this year you know and really put together a consistent year and maybe have an ERA in the twos um, they, on the hitting side of Indianapolis, you have, um, you know what? I'm going to hold off on the hitting side. <laughs> I can't even remember their names. You know, I just woke up and I gave you guys a pretty deep dive into, um, Priester and Burroughs, you know, as far as who they are, what they want to do this year. Oh, one other thing. I wish that Henry Davis would just STFU. I'm so tired of hearing Henry Davis shoot his mouth off. The guy needs to understand that he's a rookie. He's not even a rookie yet. And he didn't perform last year. So just STFU. You know, he's always talking. Blah, blah, blah. You know, what you got to do as a sports sports person is you perform first. And if you perform over a period of time, then you could shoot your mouth off, you know. You know, then you can be the leader of the team. But if you're going to have a, you know, a 220 average or a 215 average in double A, you don't get to shoot your mouth off. I just wish Henry Davis would STFU. Speaking of that, I'm going to STFU. It's warm. I might actually go sit inside for a minute. And I think this might be an afternoon baseball game today. Um, Peace out. We love you. The dogs love you. Beautiful day out here. Later.